0: What, 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 are, what is my family about? And it's for the same reason Paul writes to the church in Rome. You see, all these people came to Jerusalem Pentecost. They have Pentecost for Passover, for all of the Jewish festivals. And Christ dies, he's resurrected. Peter preaches this amazing sermon, and then all these people go back to where they're from. And one of those places that they go back to is Rome. And so all these churches start forming in Rome, all these little house churches all over the place. And just as anything that is new that starts off, there's some issues and and perhaps some unity issues, and people aren't sure really what they're about. So that's why Paul writes to them, to unite them, providing them a context of who they are and what they're about. And in the same way, he's writing to us today so that we know, as a church, who we are and what we are about And So today we continue our sermon series on what we call the Images of the Church. Today we're going to look at the church as a family. Let me uh, go ahead and let me pray for us. Father, we come to you right now and I just pray that your spirit would fill us, would illuminate your words to us, and I pray that we would hear this message today. Now, each family is led by some sort of rule or or code, either written or unwritten. Every family has kind of like the rules of the road, kind of how you do things in a family, and they're led by acts. And the same thing goes with the church family. The church family is spirit-led, led led by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. You see, being led by the Holy Spirit is the mark of all of God's children. All of God's children. Now some of you right now off the back, off the front, right off the back, and say, well, isn't everyone God's children? That's a good question. And is clear that everyone is made in the image of God and has intrinsic value. There's a sanctity in their value, in their life. But scripture also makes it clear that God's children, those He's he's elected, those He's chosen, are those that are marked by the Spirit, that actually have the indwelling Holy Spirit in them, the ones that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You see, naturally, Ephesians Ephesians 2 calls us children of wrath. Apart from Christ, we are children of wrath, yet God has given us His Spirit, you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and has led you from children of wrath to being children of God. And right now, once you put your faith and trust in Christ, you have this dwelling spirit, you continually are being led by the spirit. You're made, being made into the image of Christ. And that's what he's talking about here. He's talking about this leading, this leading as we walk the Christian life. And I, I find it interesting that he says, for those who are led, that phrase are led, does not indicate un- uninterrupted leading. The fact is, we could interrupt or ignore the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's why we find in scripture, this encouragement to walk with the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 says, so I say walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And Paul is reminding the church family in Rome to walk in the Spirit as they confront new challenges in a pre-Christian world. And in the same way, our church here in North Andover needs to remember to walk in the Spirit as we confront new challenges in a post-Christian world. There's a lot of similarities between us and first century believers. We must walk in the Spirit. You see, we could manufacture religious success here in New England. We can do it. It's real easy. There's formulas that you can go to any website and say if you do A, B, or C, you look religious, you look holy, this is great. But guess what? It has nothing to do with the Spirit. And so we're called to walk by the Spirit. So the question is, how do we ensure that we are being led by the Spirit as a family of God, as children of God? And this is going to blow your mind away. I, I told totally, me I looked through scripture and I was just amazed. Ready for this? It's the ministry of the prayer and the word. God's word. I know it's radical. <laughs> prayer and God's word. And some of you are sitting there going, here we go, a pastor's telling me to pray more and read my Bible more. Yes, that's what I'm saying. There's power there. You see, the Spirit, the way the Spirit works is as we pray, we ask for illumination. God illuminates what He wants for us in His Word. He speaks to us in prayer. Now, what happens if you feel the Holy Spirit leading you in a direction? You're like, I don't know if this is from God or not. What do you do? Well, guess what? It will be confirmed in His Word. You see, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in prayer, but it's also in the Word. Holy Spirit led men to write the Bible. The Holy Spirit cannot contradict himself. And so that's why the ministry of prayer and the word is so important. We're called to be men and women of prayer and of the word. We have monthly prayer gatherings and we have handover. We have like, every week there's prayer gatherings. We have one and old handover here once a month. We also have groups that meet together that the sole purpose is to just get into the Word. There's also people wanting to develop new groups, Bible study groups, to get into the Word. So I encourage you, when you see something like that, seek it out. Also, your individual time in the Word. It's a big, big deal. How many times, how many, how many hours through the day or minutes of the day or hours of a week you spend in the Word? It's a big deal and it's radical. So that's the first thing i'd say about two years ago um eric and i we we really wanted to look at our ancestry so we went to ancestry.com has anyone ever been on that website before it's kind of cool when you go and they have all these records and you find out um who your, who your family is and as i was going through my records i saw that side, which I don't really have any contact with, was actually adopted. And that I descended from that adopted line below. That idea of adoption really kind of grabbed me. And in the church, we see the church is an adopted family. Romans 8, 15 says, the spirit you received or came into possession of, not by your works. So, you received. It's not, you didn't do this. The spirit came and you receive the Spirit, does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. <clears throat> and so we read that as the church family, we are an adopted family member. And the way adoption works here in our culture and our time is way different than it works in the Roman context. And I don't want this to go past you. Because generally for us, adoption, we go and we adopt children, but that wasn't the common practice, and that's who, not who Paul uh, was talking to. The way that adoption worked in a Roman context was you have this wealthy benefactor, this father of a large family that had plenty of funds, plenty of means, and he would look for an heir, and it was usually an adult, and he would choose that heir. And once he chose that heir, he was committed to pay off the debts of whatever that adult, soon-to-be-adopted heir had accumulated during their life. And then that adopted new family member was given the family name and had the same legal status as the, the natural children. Actually, in Roman society, it was even greater than the natural children because they were chosen and they were adopted. And the, the father, the, the benefactor, had complete authority over that adoptee, that, that person that he adopted at that point in time. And that's what Paul says we are. He says we are adopted. What does this mean for us? What does it mean to be adopted children? God's kingdom. Well, our, our adoption means we're no longer slaves. You see, he, he juxtaposes these two words, slaves. So, and, and living in fear. Slaves are living in fear. Slaves of what? Slaves to sin. Sin always leads to fear. How about fear of being alone? How about fear of not fitting in? And you can become a slave to that. There's no more fear of death or condemnation. Instead, <coughs> chosen children who live in the sovereign security of a good father. are adopted. Our adoption means that we don't have to earn our place in the family because Christ has paid our debts and has already earned it for us. You know, some families, you feel like you constantly have to earn your way in the family. You have to do, do, do and If you don't do right, then you're not in the family anymore. And that's not with God's family. You are adopted. Christ has paid for it. You don't have to earn it What's the proof of that? The proof of that is, isn't, well, Holy Spirit. We read that, the Spirit we received. This isn't just good words. This isn't just like fluff. This is, I've given you my Spirit, the very presence of Christ in you. That's the guarantee of who you are. <laughs> Our adoption means that we're loved children and can experience the joy and intimacy of being a child of a perfect Father. You, you see the word uses the word Abba. Abba. Abba means daddy. It means daddy. I think of my kids when they were little I and mean, they would come up and be like, Daddy. And I would just, it would just break my heart. I'd just grab them. I just never want to let them go. Daddy. And I'd be like, Yes. He says, That's the kind of relationship we have with our Father. And I don't want this to go past you because this was totally mind blowing for. The, church, the churches at Rome to hear this because fathers were this distant, authoritarian people in their families. They still have the legal right to put family members, their children, to death at this time. And yet, Paul is saying, that's not how your father is, your heavenly father. You have a father that has adopted you and when you cry out to him, you say, Daddy, he comes and he embraces you. That's the kind of father you have. He's not distant, he's close So close that just put his engloving spirit And children are in secure Loving families, they thrive And you can see statistics on that And the reality of our adoption Is that we have a father that loves us so much That he sacrificed his most beloved son Jesus Christ That's how much he loves you That's why you can go to him confidence and say, Daddy. And this compels us as brothers and sisters in Christ to sacrifice for each other and serve one another. And that's what Paul's trying to get them to see. He's trying to say, listen, you belong to this spiritual family of adopted children under a good, good father, and you should be sacrificing for one another. That love that is the source from our father compels us to sacrifice for one another. is isn't just a good feeling. It's who we are. It's the reality. And out of that abundance, we serve one another. And he's talking about in the, in the confines of the church, within the context of the church, to serve one another. 1 John 3.16 says, this is how we know, that, know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Again, that's in the context of the church. That's what John is writing to and Paul is talking about. So i got to ask you, you know, we have all these beautiful people I'm looking at right now. Brothers and sisters, how do you sacrifice for one another? How do you sacrifice for one another? I'm going to encourage you this week. Just do one thing for someone within our family. Just one thing. If that's praying for them, that's just reaching out to them on a text, and that's bringing them a meal. I encourage you just to do one thing this week. They're your your brother and your sister. That's the second thing. It was interesting. Them that I was coming back and I was here. I wasn't kind of going. It's the same thing. The church is an assured family. Romans 8.16 says, the Spirit himself testifies or bear witness, or bears witness with our spirit that we are God's children. We are. Our very quality of being are God's children. That's who we intrinsically are. assured because Jesus Christ has ensured our salvation. We will never be disowned by God and disowned from the family of God because of conflicts or mistakes. He makes that very, very clear. We read in Ephesians 11, one 14 He says, In Him we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything forming with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked with him, with the seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit. When you put your faith in Christ and give him the Spirit, it's a seal. It's, it's almost like the seal that you would see like a wax seal on a letter. It's not going to go away. You're done. You are His. You can't be disowned from the family. Ever. We have that assurance. We are assured that no matter how messed up our earthly family is, our heavenly family, Christ is destined for perfect glory. Romans 8.30 says, And those who predestined He called. And those he called, he also justified, and those he justified, he also glorified. If you put your faith and trust in Christ, you are one of God's children, and he is bringing you to glory, and you are filled with a bunch of family members that are in that same direction together. We are sure that even though our earthly family members leave due to death, death, Divorce or destructive desires. Our heavenly family in Christ is always held together. No one's going anywhere. Romans, page 35 39 says Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger of the sword? As it is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered the sheep to the slaughter. No all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth or anything else in creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. This is a true family. And we're assured of that. And when we're assured where we stand with God, we can overcome anything. There's nothing that can be against us when we know where we stand with God. It's empowering. That God is for us, who can be against us. Now some of you might be sitting here and saying, well, I don't feel like I'm God's children. I put my faith in Christ, but I don't feel that talking about? How can I be assured? And you say the Spirit testifies to my spirit, but I don't feel it. How do I know? Well, I would say that you know because desires start to change. Desires start to change. You are being conformed to the image of God. You see, when you are indwelt by the Spirit, when you put your faith in Christ. and you are indwelt by the Spirit, it necessitates change. Change is going to happen. It's either going to happen fast or very slow. Most of most of us very, very slow. But change happens. The direction the ship is turned. You're going in another direction, and that manifests itself in many different ways. Mainly, it's a desire for God. There's also this grieving that happens. Things that you used to do. Now you are grieved deep in your spirit, not because you're sad because you're doing it because of the consequences, but because you've sinned against the Holy God and you know it now. That's what change is. That's part of the change. It's that grieving of the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing. Assurance comes from being with Jesus, not doing with Jesus. Being with Jesus. So how have you been with him? How have you been with him with you say, I love them, but I don't spend any time with them. Do you have any alone time with them? Just quiet time, just listening to Jesus? How about just being in his word and just talking to him throughout the day? And praying? Maybe you have all these distractions in your life and it's cutting you off from just being with Jesus. Cut it off. Examine where you're at. Cut it off. Do whatever you have to do just to be with Jesus gain that assurance. It is so powerful. So that's the third thing. The fourth thing. Each family, if you're a member of a family, there's, there's privilege involved in that family. For me, when I was growing up, privilege was you, you down bring you home like a big drumstick ice cream every Friday. That was part of the privilege. Some of you have certain privileges in your family, the same thing with God. The church is a privileged family. Romans 8.17 says, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. We read that we are heirs and co-heirs with Christ. I can't even wrap my mind around honest. this. Honestly, I'm like, look at this, we're heirs and co-heirs with Christ. Are you kidding me? This is crazy. What does this even mean? Well, I'm not really sure. Because it's probably better than I can possibly imagine. But I know it's a privileged position. And as a a privileged family, we get to inherit what God has. Namely, his glorious kingdom. And everything that is part of that. I, I can't even explain it because I'm trying to think about it even as I talk to you right now. Processing. I know this is not a good, a good place to process, but the bottom line is it's so huge. It's unbelievable. However, I don't want to just say, hey, we're heirs and boyers and the it at that. Because there's a condition to this inheritance. The condition says, if indeed, We share in his sufferings. If indeed we share in his sufferings, Paul is reminding the church family at Rome that suffering is a normal part of the Christian life, the Christian experience. Further, here's what's going to blow your mind away. He says it's a privilege. It's a privilege. This is straight in the face of any sort of prosperity type of gospel. to suffer with Christ? I don't even understand that. What does he mean by that? How is suffering a privilege? You see, temporary suffering always precedes eternal glory. Always. Jesus showed that on the promise. Temporary suffering always precedes glory. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. This life is not it. Amen? Yes. I'm so glad this life is not it. It's temporary. And we endure suffering. That's a normal experience of a Christian life right now. Why? Because there's an eternal weight of glory ready ready just to be lavished upon us. Just ready. It's waiting. This is a privilege. This is our privilege, family, here in the Merrimack Valley. This is our privilege. We have the privilege of making Christ famous, no matter what happens. That's our privilege. This is our family business. This is what we're about. And we have this privilege for a reason. I've got to ask you, are you ready to exercise this privilege? Are you ready? I'm going to encourage you. I brought Eric up here. I want you Pray about it. I want you to bug him on you how you can exercise that privilege in Christ. Being part of the family business and making convenience. you have got to ask you are you a member of the family? Maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, I don't know. I don't know if I'm a member of God's family. I'm not sure. How do I know if I'm a member? You confess Christ. You see, The Bible says that we have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we deserve wrath. Why? Because God is perfect and He's a perfect judge. He's also a perfect Father. He cannot allow sin to just go on and say, oh, that's all right. He's perfect. If He doesn't do anything, He ceases to be perfect. So we deserve wrath. Yet God did something about it. His only begotten Son. God Himself, God the Son, the eternal Son, stepped out from heaven, lived the perfect life, was nailed to a cross, and took on the sin and the wrath that we deserved. And when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, in His resurrection, and what He did after three days, defeating death, we are dead to sin, and we are alive in Christ. And all you have to do is put your faith in that, and truly believe that. And you're a member of John 1:12 says, "Yet yeah, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God." If you just did that, if God's working in your heart right now, and you're like, "I want that. I just did that. I believe that." Welcome to the family. There's always room for a new family member. If you have questions about that, I'm going to encourage you to see our prayer team afterwards. They'll be over here, and just talk through that, pray through that. I'd love to talk to you as well. We have a privilege, family. This is, this is a huge privilege, this is a huge opportunity for this, this family that God has given us What I, a mind-blowing family we belong to. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this family. Father, as we think about who you are, as we reflect on even this time in history, It is by grace alone that you save us. It is through faith alone that we are made righteous in Christ, and I thank you. I thank you for adopting us. People that don't deserve it, why? Your mercy is just so great to comprehend. So I pray that we would just live in alliance the privilege of who we are in you, Lord Jesus. I pray if there's anyone in here that does not know you, that they would submit to you. They would listen to you. That they would become a man God. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this privilege that we have in Christ. In Jesus' name,